Welcome to the latest Energy Council podcast episode. Today I'm joined by Grayson Anderson, Head of Capital Markets at Recon Africa, and Roman Rossi, Vice President and Research Analyst at Canaccord Genuity Corp. Today we are discussing the exploration and production landscapes in Africa and Latin America. Listen on as we go through similarities and parallels, and then delve into energy access, regulatory frameworks, financing, investment, and opportunities in both regions. Hi both, thank you for joining the latest Energy Council podcast. It's great to have you both with us. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Jack. Nice to see you again, Grayson. Nice to see you again as well, Roman, and thanks again, Jack, for having us both on. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. To kick things off, we usually ask our guests to tell us a little bit about their careers in the energy industry, just so that listeners can get a better feel for the people on the podcast. So, uh, Grayson, would you like to take us away? Sure. I've uh, been working in oil and gas since 1998, so coming up to 25 years, always on the finance side of the business, uh, originally as an auditor with KPMG in the oil and gas assurance practice in Calgary. Then I moved to Canadian Natural Resources in Calgary, who was a big oil sands operator, but also it had international operations in offshore the North Sea and offshore West Africa and Cote d'Ivoire and Gabon. And subsequent to that, I I was a banker, an energy banker for a few years with Credit Suisse and Macquarie. And in the last five years, I've gone back and done the restructuring of Pacific Rubialis, which is now Frontera Energy in Colombia and, and Guyana and in Ecuador and Peru as well. Then most recently for the past two years, been working for Recon Africa who are exploring the extremely exciting Kavango Basin onshore Namibia and Botswana. And then uh, Roman, over to you. Thank you very much for the invitation. And so I started my career in research like uh, in 2017, but I've been covering energy stocks since probably the last two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I should say that my bachelor was in international relations. So I've been always really interested in the international energy markets and how they shape the geopolitical map. And I think that also that helped me to have a, like a, see the larger picture regarding the energy markets and how all the different pieces uh, move together. Grayson, you touched upon uh, Recon Africa at the end of your overview there. Obviously, we've been working together for a couple of years now. Would you be able to go a little bit into the Recon Africa story and offer some thoughts about the current EMP landscape in Africa. Yeah, Recon Africa is a, a unique investment opportunity, a re- unique oil and gas company from a historical con- context. Mm. You know, it, it's a brand new basin in a in a previously virgin oil and gas country. You know, Namibia doesn't have any oil and gas production. It imports all of its products through an import terminal right now through the state-owned oil company Namcor, but. I keep telling people this is like going back in time 50 to 70 years. We have 8.5 million acres, which we believe is the entire Cavango Basin. It's wildcat exploration. So we're using Aeromag and 2D seismic programs to highlight drilling opportunities. And we've drilled three wells to date in this basin, successfully drilled them and have encountered a working hydrocarbon system throughout the basin which is the very first step in, in knowing that you have the potential for oil and gas discoveries and production. And 
we've got capital and we own our own drilling rig, again, which is a, a unique situation. <laughs> Upstream oil and gas companies typically don't own, own sort of service equipment, but we own our own drilling rig. So we can, you know, drill at our own pace and it provides us a lots of flexibility to be able to uh, evaluate the Cavango Basin, you know, not only in the past two years, but as we go forward as well. And in terms of, like, I guess, the EMP landscape in Africa at the minute, obviously you and I sort of catch up fairly regularly, but what's your sort of thoughts on what's going on in the continent at the minute around obviously energy access issues, but also at the same time, a lot of pretty exciting exploration coming up. What's your, what's your take on things? Yeah, well, this is why I think it's important to have Roman involved because I see a lot of parallels between Africa and South America. Yeah. You know, both continents have existing countries with oil and gas production, uh, you know, long histories of it, you know, both onshore and offshore. Both continents have countries where governments are keen to see oil and gas development happen. Yep. Both continents have a lot of energy access issues for a lot of the, you know, middle and lower income people within within a lot of the countries. You know, South America is a little bit better than Africa, but probably a lot better than Africa in terms of energy access. Both Latin America and, and Africa offer the best exploration opportunities out there. You know, we're drilling in, in Namibia. We also have land in Botswana. Company, uh, you know, a company called Invictus is drilling in Zimbabwe. Lots yeah. of activity happening offshore South Africa, both from the super majors perspective and from smaller companies like Echo Atlantic and Impact Oil and Gas and Africa Oil. And the same thing is happening offshore Namibia as well. You know, lots of offshore exploration happening. And the same thing's happening in, in South America, offshore Guyana, offshore Brazil, onshore Argentina with the Vaca Morta. Ecuador announcing, you know, significant interest in some of their exploration uh, opportunities in the last few days and, and after having a successful round back in 2018 or 2019, I believe it was. So there's a lot of parallels in terms of the opportunity set for oil and gas companies, especially small and medium-sized ones in both Africa and Latin America. Roman, would you like to jump on, jump in there? Obviously, your patch is Latin America. Do you agree in the sense that there are parallels and what, what's your what's your take on uh, the the EMP environment across your region? Yeah, so absolutely, there are parallels. Particularly, the similarities uh, mm -hmm. tend to be related to think that both Africa and Latin America are part of the developing world. So we face very similar challenges in terms of FX issues, access to capital, poverty, inequality, access to energy. So yeah, there are a lot of similarities. However, I should say, as Grayson says, we have been a traditional oil and gas region. So yeah. the first discoveries here were in the early 1900s. We had, for example, Comodoro Rivadavia in Argentina, or we had uh, Sierra Infantas in Colombia. We have a better infrastructure. The midstream and the downstream, it's better compared to Africa. Besides, we have service providers, export facilities, everything is more developed. Additionally, I should say that the economic conditions here in Latin America are a bit better. We have historically received higher FDI flows. The EMP investment conditions have been historically very, very good, and the framework has a long tradition. Latin America has been historically a region receiving a lot of private investment. But I should say, as Grayson was mentioning, that Africa has been increasing its appealing for 
private investment because the countries there have been uh, doing all this innovation in terms of frameworks, in terms of, mm -hmm. of uh, regulation, and, and that's very positive for the investment environment in Africa as well. You hit upon one of the the points that we discussed before the episode is, you know, both regions have energy access issues, but then obviously that there is exciting stuff going on in terms of exploration. What do you think needs to happen for enhanced value to be unlocked? If we start with Latin America, what, what do you think needs to happen and what kind of barriers are in play that need to be removed? We are seeing a lot of interest in Latin America, and particularly, for example, around Guyana, as Grayson was saying, in the offshore operations, because the break-evens are super low and the tax regime is super favorable. And also in Ecuador, because they are shifting to the production sharing agreements again, so the environment is becoming better. What we believe is critical around the investment decisions, uh, it has to do with stability, but also a clear regulatory and tax regime. So we, we need to have a framework that's stable and that allows the companies to invest money and have a clear sense of on what they will be, where they will be operating, how they will be operating, and how they can profit out of that investment. So I believe that the framework is key and it's a must to unlock value either in Latin America or in Africa. You're absolutely right. You know, the one reason why we love Namibia relative to a lot of other countries in Africa is because it's a former German colony. It has a, a stable rule of law. It has agreed frameworks. It has it, it does it doesn't have a PSA. It has a it has a license framework, which again we we enjoy. But you know, from a regulatory perspective. You know, our exploration licenses can transfer directly into production licenses on, on commercial success. You know, they're 25 years long with extension periods. The exploration periods within your licenses are clearly defined. Uh, so, you know, you can extend them one, two, th or three different uh, periods throughout the exploration life. You're absolutely right. In order for capital to be attracted to South America or Africa or any jurisdiction, you need you know, the right economics, but you also need st stable jurisdictions. You're, whether you're Guyana or whether you're Namibia, you're always going to have periods of education or growing pains, depending on what side of the desk you're sitting on. You know, Guyana saw this, you know, in terms of a licensing, development, you know, permitting, regulatory, everything like that. And, and now Namibia is going through the exact same thing. And, you know, you'll get a lot of headlines in the media that, you know, talk about government take and whether it's sufficient or not. Um, you know, you'll you'll talk about whether you know the, the the systems and processes are in place from a government perspective to get things done. But all in all, I think the benefit that new jurisdictions have is that they have a, a wealth of examples globally that they can use from. You know, a lot of times environmentalists or critics of our industry will talk about the you know the, the terrible situations in parts of Nigeria. Uh, on the flip side, you've got the perfect example of what's happened in, in Norway for the last 50 years and how, you know, they've properly managed their industry and, and the cash flows associated with their industry to, to, to develop a sovereign wealth fund that, you know, owns kind of 20% of all markets globally. So we've, we're benefiting new countries to the oil and gas industry, have the benefit of 
of sort of extracting best practices from from all around the world. And I, and I think we're seeing that both in Namibia onshore and offshore and offshore Guyana. I believe that we are currently under this environment. The prices are, are super positive. Um, just to think about the investment uh, environment nowadays, for example, in Latin America, let's think about the, the break evens. So you have in Baca Muerta 35 to 40 dollars in Colombia, 40 to 45 in Guyana offshore. It's like 25 to 35. So under this current rent pricing or WTI pricing, mm. it, it's a very favorable market for investment. And nowadays we are seeing, considering all the lack of investment from the EMP side, that the longer term rent should be around 70 to 75 dollars per barrel, thinking about 2030. That we believe that should start to increase the investment. And we believe that the jurisdictions that have the best frameworks will definitely benefit from that. And that's what we are seeing in Namibia with Recon Africa example, or what we are seeing in Guyana with uh, what Shell is doing with, sorry, Exxon is doing Frontera with CGX. So it's a very, very interesting space and everything falls down to having the economics on the one side, but also the technical regulations, the tax regimes, a clear and, and stable framework. And that will eventually translate into, as we always say, more investment, more jobs, more opportunities. And of course, it ends up, ends up being very positive for the country economics. Why do we think that, you know, some of the, you know, in the markets these days, everybody wants dividends and buybacks from EMP companies. They want returns, and which, yeah. which, which I, I understand because historically the oil and gas industry has been terrible from a shareholder returns perspective. You you benefit when the commodity goes up, but you get absolutely killed when, when prices go down. You know, it's a cyclical industry, but, you know, the markets these days don't want these businesses managed from a cyclical perspective. They want yeah. sort of more stable, regular, predictable cash flows and, and returns. And, you know, it's it's really hard from a management team's perspective to deliver that, especially when you're dealing with, a, with an asset base that's always declining. That's the hardest thing with our industry is that even though you're producing, you know, whatever number of barrels you're producing today, you're going to be producing less than that tomorrow. Always requires a lot of capital. You know, Roman, I, I was, was just wondering from your perspective, are you seeing new entrants to South America these days? Because like you said, there are some good opportunities, but Colombia, for example, which was always a great place to invest for mid-cap companies, you know, they're looking at changing their their regulations. Yeah. So that's probably going to take capital away from Colombia. Is there an opportunity, you know, or is there capital going to South America these days? Yeah, so you might have some other interesting opportunities in Latin America besides Colombia. I mean, we are currently seeing this, this uh, new political cycle where a lot of leftist governments have won the presidency. That happens in, in Chile, in Colombia. Uh, it can happen in Brazil as well. But we are seeing renewed interest in Guyana. Guyana is a very, very exciting basin. As I was saying, the economics are impressive, uh, particularly for the large uh, Starbroke block, right? But also we are seeing a lot of interest in Ecuador. The shift under the Lasso administration to the new, or again, 
I should say, to production sharing agreements has been very positive. And companies such as Frontera, Grantierra, Geopark are going down there to invest because the Oriente Basin is also an attractive basin and it has an advantage compared to Colombia that's related to transportation. Transportation in Ecuador is probably, I should say, 60 to 70% cheaper than in Colombia. So the economics you can extract there are, are very positive compared to the rest of, for example, Colombia or even in Argentina. Argentina, it's a funny case, I should say. I'm an Argentina and I live in Argentina. And the issue here is Baca Muerta is fantastic. You have a very well-developed infrastructure. You have the service providers. Fracking is doing very well. But the thing is, you can't access your capital because you have the capital controls, right? And that's making, well, it's hitting the private investment because, I mean, it's very hard if you bring money to the country and then you can't take it out. It's very complicated, but we believe that if the government changes and that's the, all the political analysts here in Argentina are thinking that next year we will have a, a center to right government. And if that's the case, and we have a similar cycle to what we saw under the Macri administration, well, Baca Muerta is a huge opportunity and could be maybe a million barrels in the next 10 years. So it could be a very, very important growth area for Argentina and also for Latin America to keep the, the export uh, part of it. Because think about what's happening in Colombia. Colombia has a declining uh, production and the government has said that they won't do any more uh, auctions. At some point in the future, they will eventually become importers if, if the decline continues. As Grayson was uh, highlighting, this is a, an industry that requires intensive capital and exploration. And unfortunately, that falls to, if you don't have the framework, you won't receive the investments. It's really good to see when, you know, it, it, it's a good lesson in economics for a lot of governments when they change their natural resources policies because you will they they will see a lack of investment and and as you said a, a company that or sorry a country that used to export as much as six or seven hundred thousand barrels of oil a day like Colombia could eventually become an, an importer which would be absolutely shocking but uh you know because there is lots of opportunity there and and we've seen the success that Guyana's had we're seeing the success that you know the, the the development that Namibia is having but without the appropriate framework capital doesn't come and and you've got the additional you know factors influencing investment in oil and gas these days one of them being ESG type mm -hmm. movements and and then the other one you know just being that that the market wants share buybacks and dividends they don't want investment into new capital so into new projects so it, it's an interesting dynamic that's happening right now I, I don't know what the outcome is going to be but at some point the market's going to need to wake up and realize that we need to allocate capital to this industry to ensure that we meet the long-term demands for both oil and natural gas absolutely and as i was saying Probably the lack of investment, it's acting as this support to long-term oil prices, right? It's a very interesting point. The ESG perspective, it's also uh, critical these days. And I believe that 
Rick and Africa is doing an excellent job in that uh, in that land. So we, we realize it's a, it's critical, and we you know we're doing conventional oil and gas. We're going to have a very very low carbon footprint from the beginning. So. You know, I've said this for a long time, whether it's joint venture partners or, or an overall acquisition of the company, you know, we could be one of the transactions where people tout the deal as being carbon accretive, you know, accretive from a carbon intensity perspective, because, you know, if, if your new production always not only a lower capital intensity, but also a lower carbon intensity than, than existing projects. So, you know, new barrels are are always more economic, or generally more economic than than older older barrels. But you know, carbon intensity is a big component when companies look for look at investments these days as well. And on on the investment front, guys, the question I had was where where do you forecast investment into the industry coming from moving forwards? Well, Hayes and Boone, which is a a U.S. Insolvency practitioners, what I've known them for, I'm sure they're more diversified than that. But they do a they did they recently did a capital survey, and and I believe the numbers, the splits were something like they expect 28% of capital to come from operations, 26% to come from equity sources, 28% from debt sources, and the remaining from joint ventures, farm out royalty agreements, that kind of stuff. So, you know, the good thing with oil prices being where they are is it's generating a lot of cash from operations. The downside is, is that the markets want those companies to buy back their stock and pay dividends and not reinvest it. Part of the reason why the, the banking community doesn't like oil and gas these days either, because we're not doing financings and other types of transactions. And there's a little bit of M&A happening and that'll pick up over time. But, you know, we're not we're not seeing the financing that, that we have seen historically because it's a capital intensive business and historically it's required a lot of capital. To pick up on that, we believe that at least in the short term, the debt or the fixed income market, it's mostly closed for uh, the newest or the smaller EMPs because rates are going up and they are playing probably double digits. We might see some inflows coming from the equity markets, but we don't believe that that will happen at least on the next six months. And, and that's because currently what we are seeing is a lot of deals that are being pulled off because of market conditions. Nowadays, it's a critical and, and very complicated market, but probably in the next year, once we we start going out of the recession that, I don't know if you guys saw, but Bloomberg says that we will have a, a recession, a 100% chance of a recession in the next 12 months. So after we start going out of that recession, we will expect capital coming from the equity side, maybe picking up the fixed income side once the Fed starts cutting rates again. That should be maybe 20, 24 months. Who knows? But that, that's what we are seeing. And of course, joint ventures are a large part, particularly for those massive blocks where you need tons of capital and you. what could happen with CGX in, in Guyana. Right, they will need a major coming and putting down the capital they will need to develop that block that should be in the billion. Absolutely, that we're doing that ourselves. We're going through a farm out joint venture process because we have eight and a half million acres, and that's just one too much for a company of our size to deal with. Farm outs and joint ventures are a great way to 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 get financing and to uh, improve returns overall for for a company, especially smaller ones. So guys, I think a bit of a, a broad question, but um, is there anything that any 
like future gazing or any sort of comments that you'd like to leave the listeners of the podcast with before we wrap? Well, for me, for, for me, the, the, the most important thing is that, you know, not only the investment community, but governments and so forth can't give up on the oil and gas industry. It, it's, you know, it provides reliable energy throughout the world, throughout the developed world, and, and, and the emerging markets, whether they're in South America or in Africa, need the same privilege and act to, to, to access energy as what's being afforded developed world. You know, historically, natural gas in Africa was a, a, a stranded asset. We're now seeing more and more gas projects in Africa, both onshore and offshore, get developed. And that's critical to help local industry grow and strive and thrive. And, and we're seeing that. So, you know, for me, gas in Africa is a big thing. But, you know, the energy transition will be a combination of both historic legacy conventional oil and gas unconventional plus renewable sources. So, you know, you need gas for, for blue hydrogen, you're going to have green hydrogen and you're going to have all kinds of other different, you know, energy sources. It's, it's just part and parcel. So we can't, you know, whether you're governments or the markets, you can't give up on the, the, the legacy investments in oil and gas. Yeah. So I have the same thesis as Grayson. You really need to keep up the oil and gas investment. What we are seeing in Europe these days is basically showing us that the lack of investment translates into higher, higher prices. Definitely need to bring more oil and, and gas sources and production. We have a very positive view on the oil market for the medium and long term. And we believe that South America and Africa place are probably the most exciting exploration and, and opportunities out there. So from the investor perspective, I really should be thinking about a strategy that includes investing into these emerging market opportunities. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and please do get in contact with me Grayson or Roman, should you wish to discuss more. See you next time.